Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. if you look back on your life for a moment and imagine yourself 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, do you think you've changed from your younger self? I love looking back at photos and seeing how much our kids have changed over the years. Now I'm pretty sure we've all changed physically over the years and I'm sure your life actually looks different now to even just a few years ago. For some of you it looks different to just a few months ago. You know, you you guys have just gone up to high school. Um, But really my question that I want us to think about is has your heart changed over the years? Is your character more like Jesus than it used to be? Have you seen growth in your relationship with God. When you face difficulties, do you respond more like Jesus would these days? Do you care about the things that Jesus cares about more than you once did? Things like how you spend your money, or how you care for the poor, or holiness, your holiness, how you spend your time. Do you care about those things more? I gave my life to Jesus when I was really little, but however long ago we said yes to following God, are you still saying yes to following God today? Or do you find actually yourself more often than not saying no? Some of you know that during lockdown I said yes to an allotment. And um, over the last few years, there have been moments where it has looked absolutely beautiful. We've grown courgettes and onions and lettuce and sunflowers and beautiful flowers. Um, And at points, it's looked really fruitful. But right now, it's awful. And uh, it's overgrown with nettles and brambles. And last week, I got the text that I've been waiting for. Do I still want it? We've not seen you down there much, Lizzie, um, because I haven't been down there. Allotments are hard work. They, They take time and investment. And the truth is, I have only been to the allotment once this last year. And although I said yes to the allotment, my daily actions have actually been saying no. Now today we start a brand new series on the book of James and James is a really practical um, book about how we grow to be more like Jesus, how we keep saying yes to Jesus in our everyday. And at CCM we love encouraging people to grow in their giftings. You know we love it when we have new worship leaders or or people start preaching or, or you know getting involved in various ministries, we love it. But we actually, we really care about character as well. Because God really cares about who we are becoming. Our character, our values and desires that shape the everyday decisions that we make, 
um, how we spend our time and our money, um, what, you know, what we what we live for, that that is going to inform kind of the direction that we're going and whether we're we're pointing towards Jesus or pointing away from Him. And James is going to remind us in this letter that our entire life's purpose is to grow to be more like Jesus, more Christ-like. And thankfully, we don't have to do this on our own. We have the Holy Spirit, our helper, with us. And as we say yes to God, however feeble that yes might feel, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change. We say yes, but he does the work in us. We have the Holy Spirit and we've got each other. We, we all know the verse about not giving up meeting together, but I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says this, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together more frequently, eager to encourage each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. My allotment was at its best when I got to dig alongside other people. We need each other, don't we? God has given us each other to encourage each other along as we follow him. So as we look at James over the next few weeks, it would be brilliant if we all really dug into this book, this letter, by ourselves. So that when we come to Sundays, God's already been speaking to each one of us through this book. But it would also be really great if if um, you met up with other people from church and chatted about it and chatted about the, the things that God's been challenging you on. We would love to encourage prayer triplets or, or prayer squares in this church. And that's something we're going to be talking about a little bit more in the coming weeks. Um, but have a think about asking someone to go for a coffee or a walk so you, so you can do some digging together. So James wrote this letter to the first ever Christian community, a church that was made up of Jews who'd recognised Jesus to be the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. He was the half-brother of Jesus and he'd become one of the leaders of this early church. Can you imagine growing up and Jesus is your big brother? Like, I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. Would it be annoying? Would you be constantly being compared to your brother who literally could do no wrong? Whatever it was like, James came to know that Jesus was the saviour of the world. He loved Jesus and he gave his life to building God's church. Following Jesus and and, um, being involved in church in those days um, must have been both amazing but also incredibly tough. On the one hand, they'd seen the man that they loved nailed to a cross and risen from the dead, he'd come back to life. And then they might have been there in that room when the Holy Spirit got poured out and all their mates, their ordinary mates, suddenly got empowered by the Holy Spirit and and became passionate about God and the church. And all around them, the church was growing at this incredible rate. But on the other hand, there was a famine in the land. And although some people were rich and had money and food, 
Lots of people were in poverty and had nothing. And to make things even worse, these brand new baby Christians were being persecuted by the traditional Jewish leaders because they were putting their trust in Jesus. It was dangerous to be a Christian. And in the middle of that, is James. He was known as a pillar of the church and unsurprisingly because he'd grown up with Jesus he was a peacemaker who led the church with wisdom and courage until he was murdered himself for following Jesus. Now this letter that we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks is a summary of James's wisdom. It's, it's kind of like a practical guide on how to live your life following Jesus and who better to have written it than James who grew up with him. So let's read the passage we're looking at today. It's going up, brilliant. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business." Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It must have been quite a shock in some ways um, to face such difficult times for those brand new baby Christians. Because yes, they'd seen Jesus face his own persecution, but then he conquered death. And and they'd watched him ascend to heaven. And then they'd received the Holy Spirit and, and they knew God with them individually. There'd been healings and miracles. The church was massively growing. And they'd become part of a community that genuinely cared for each other and and shared everything. 
And yet, at the same time as all of this, life was impossibly hard. But isn't that also our story? On the one hand, those of us who know Jesus, we've been transformed, forgiven, loved, empowered in ways that we could never have imagined. We know the incredible goodness of God and are looking forward to an eternity in heaven. But until that day, our day-to-day is impacted by the brokenness in this world. That the world, the culture around us, thinks that we're, we're bonkers because we follow Jesus. And I know for you guys at school, I know it's tough being different to your friends. I know it's tough, really tough. Our natural tendency is, what, is to want to fit in and be the same as everyone else. But Jesus calls us to be different, to shine a light in a dark place. As James said, we we face troubles of many kinds. Thankfully, we don't live in parts of the world where we risk our life for following Jesus, though I know that some of us here have fled those places. But let's listen here. Let's listen in and see what James um, can encourage us with. There was a time when there was a popular teaching in the church and in the way that we shared the good news about Jesus that was to say this, give your life to Jesus and from then on in your life will be easy. Put your trust in Jesus and it will solve all of life's problems. And it's partly true. You know, put your trust in Jesus and it will solve your biggest problem, the problem of sin and separation from God. And give your life to Jesus and you're going to get eternity in the perfection of heaven. But Jesus also said following him would be costly. It would be a narrow path. It would be far from comfortable. And here we have James sharing with this brand new church, reassuring them that trials and temptations are completely normal when following Jesus. They were normal then and they are to be expected now. Over the last few series, we've been reminded how God works all things together for good for those who love him. And we've talked about big, tough situations that we can face and know that God is with us. Today, as we consider the troubles that James mentions we'll we'll face, I want us not only to think about the big challenges, you know, the challenges of sickness and grief and injustice, but I want us to think about just the smaller, everyday um, stuff that we face. You know, like when the bus drives past you and you're already late. Or when you're home alone for the fourth evening in a row and Facebook tells you that everybody else is having fun. Or when someone else gets that promotion. Or when someone makes a narky comment that just hits really deep. Or when all you want to do is sit down and have a cup of tea or a moment to yourself and you're called into action to wipe a bottom or or wipe up a drink. When James says, consider it all joy when you face troubles of many kinds, he's referring to all these moments. 
it seems crazy. How can you be joyful about the annoying things that happen to us? But, but James is saying, in these little moments, we have an opportunity to lean into Jesus with all our weakness and find the grace that we need from him in that situation. Because really, there's only two responses that we can have to um, like difficult moments. Because we love comfort and we hate discomfort and we want to avoid it at all costs, in these moments we often respond either with stress, annoyance, grumpiness, anxiety, with fear, with a bad temper. We get annoyed, irritated, impatient, frustrated. Or, alternatively, we can take a deep breath Go to Jesus and ask him for his help and for wisdom in how to keep going, to persevere and endure. The message says of these verses, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colours. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature, not deficient in any way. Troubles can shape us to be more like Jesus. Now here's an example of a trouble that we all face I am sure. People. (laughs) I am quite sure that we all have people in our lives that just make life harder. It might be school friends or family members or colleagues or or difficult noisy neighbours who you have to phone the police on in the middle of the night. It might even be people at church. We are absolutely right to put in healthy boundaries within relationships. But there are some people that we, we want to avoid just because we find them annoying. Maybe they just think differently to us about the things that we think are important. Or maybe they're just interested in different things. Maybe we've been hurt by something they said 10 years ago. Maybe, maybe it's something they didn't say. Maybe they forgot your birthday or, or forgot something that was important to you. Maybe we're holding on to grudges. In those situations, it's really easy to, to moan or find ourselves avoiding people, but God wants to do a much deeper work in us. God cares so much about how we continually grow to be more like Jesus that he brings difficult people into our lives. He wants to turn our superficial love or even our our outright open irritation into deep, genuine, Christ-like love and forgiveness. Um, And we don't have to do it on our own. Love comes from God. When God gives us love, grace and compassion for someone that we have none for, we get to experience the love of God in our hearts. You know, in order, to, in order to share love, we've got to encounter it first. We've got to feel God's love. So as we cry out to God for help in these troubles, we can count it all joy because we get to encounter the love of God as it works through us and, and, and overflows into the lives of others. 
And verse 5 goes on to say that God will never hold back wisdom for those who ask him for it. Last Sunday, we had around 130 people in this church. Now, CCM is supposed to have about 50 people before you plant a church. We had 130 people. There were 50 children under the age of 18 last week. Um, And it is a really wonderful thing. It's incredible to see it growing. It's incredible to see the promises that God gave to to Vic and to others all those years ago about how God is going to use this building to, to radiate his love. It's incredible. But it's also a challenge. And we are being stretched at every level. Um, I found myself awake at night worrying about the grapes that are out that children could take and choke on that we might not notice. Uh, notice. I found myself thinking about all the areas in church life. So on Monday evening, I I was just feeling that kind of sense of overwhelm. And I went for a walk and I was thanking God for all that he's doing. And I was praying and I was asking him for wisdom. God, what can we do? We are growing and and you want us to grow, but, but we're stretched. How can you help us? And God dropped a word into my thoughts. And as I began to listen to God, he just began to take away some of the overwhelm. And the next day when I was having my quiet time, I was reminded of this, Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to how much staff team we have, not according to how strategic we are, not according to how rich we are or or how much time we all have, not according to our capacity, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And whatever we're facing, God promises to meet all our needs according to those riches. And, And that's a wonderful promise for us as individuals, but isn't it an incredible promise to us as a church God is completely trustworthy he he wants us to trust him alone and verse 7 basically says don't expect to get answers from God if you're actually trying to take things into your own hands and we do that don't we we pray and we ask God for help and then we run around like headless chickens trying to sort it all out ourselves as if we're the answer Jesus is the answer Going back to verse 9, it suddenly appears to change direction and starts talking about rich people and poor people. And it, and it feels a bit like James has just changed the subject. But money is a huge cause of trouble, especially if you don't have much of it. And if you value comfort over following Jesus, as I suspect we all do... You will be impacted by money. Imagine how much freer we would be if we weren't impacted by money. But James turns money upside down on its head. He says, if you are poor, God has honoured you. It's amazing, isn't it? If you are poor, God has honoured you. And instead of encouraging the church to get richer, which is what the world does all the time, he warns the rich, saying, prosperity is as short-lived as wildflowers, so don't count on it. 
Don't live for making money. He says, don't make money and comfort your God. You know, when we give our money to church, to to building God's kingdom, we're reminding ourselves who we are living for. And I need to tell you, I am preaching this preach to myself. You know, when when we give regularly, we're saying, money is not my God. Jesus is my God. I am trusting in Jesus to provide, not not the salary that I'm getting each month. When we went camping in Wales at the beginning of the summer with Gran and Grandpa, and the weather was so miserable, and we had to come home early, oh my goodness, I was so grumpy. And I found myself thinking, oh, if only this and if only that. But then God began to speak to me and really convicted me of my grumpiness because ultimately I wasn't trusting him. You know, it is okay to find stuff hard and it is it is okay to find troubles hard because that's real. They are hard. It's real. But in those moments, we have a choice to despair by ourselves or go to God because he's trustworthy. So we go and we go and we go and we'll keep going because he remains trustworthy. Over the years, God has provided for our family and, and, you know, all of you, I know, in amazing, beautiful, wonderful ways because he's trustworthy. And, you know, over the years, we've also seen God not answer prayers in the way that we would have liked. We've not understood why God would say no, but we keep trusting him because he knows way better than we do. coming into land but the last trouble well it's not the last trouble we face many troubles but another trouble that we face is the sin around us and the sin within us Christians as Christians we are navigating following Jesus in a broken world and often with a broken heart and the cultural norm around us is to make yourself number one That's what everyone is telling us. Make you and your family number one. They are the biggest priority. Well, Jesus turns that upside down. And if the desires within us are not leading us towards God, they are leading us away from God. And even if those desires seem incredibly attractive, but they're leading us away from God, they are not going to lead us anywhere. The Bible says it ultimately leads to death. We know that it is only God that satisfies us. And if anything leads us... um, it becomes more important than our relationship with God, it will lead us into darkness. God is more interested in our hearts than how well we do in our GCSEs. God is more interested in our hearts than the careers that we end up with and how much money we earn. God is more interested in our hearts than how big our house is or where we live. He's more interested in our hearts than how many friends we have. Jesus said, seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You know, if you are making costly decisions to follow Jesus, 
you will not miss out on the good that God has stored for you. And actually, it's worth saying to all the parents here, if as a family you are making decisions to put God first, then your children are not going to miss out either. We have a God who loves us so deeply that he wants us to grow to be more like Jesus. God knows that our life will be fullest when we put our trust in him. Whatever trouble or trial you are facing today, you have a choice to try and manage it on your own or face it with Jesus.